President Trump gets the Rona and Joe Biden gives the Marxist and the Democrat Party the gas face at the debates all coming up on the Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade was just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. Well, looks like Trump got the Rona. Yeah, he came down with a mild case of coronavirus, and uh, apparently he's seeing some of the symptoms right now. But if you thought social media wasn't a dumpster fire when Roger Ailes died, or when, uh, what's his name, one of the Koch brothers died, uh, or when, let's say, Antonin Scalia, when he died, or maybe Herman Cain, when he died, um, those who uh, love Trump's hate and preach that that dogma decided to go on Twitter and just destroy Trump saying, I hope he dies. Quite a bit of that going on. There was a, a Washington Post article, an opinion article, where they basically said, imagine a world without Trump, right? I mean, Marley Rivera from ESPN posted, there is a God, to which I had to respond, there is a douche, and that would be you. <laughs> Um, then there was, uh, an Obama, uh, an Obama individual, Zara Rahm, and she tweeted, it's been against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years, but I hope he dies. Yeah. Love Trump's hate, doesn't it? Those, uh, those who mock us when somebody dies and we say thoughts and prayers, um, they're out there just going to town just letting their vile garbage spew all over the place. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because you knew the news media is going to blow this up almost as much as they did with the, what I call the ghost war, the war on white supremacy. We got to denounce white supremacy. Are you going to denounce, 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 denounce? So the debate happened to set the stage for this. Um, of course, you may have watched the debate and we can talk about what happened there in a little bit, but the issue of white supremacy was brought up by Chris Wallace because he basically was using the left's premise to come up with his questions. It was ridiculous. So in the debate, they try to pin Trump up against the wall and get him to denounce white supremacy. The vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing right. extremist groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Sure, are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White supremacists and right proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left. Because ah, but that's not enough. The media had to slather America in denouncement narratives. You were covered head to toe with just, just gooey denouncement of white supremacy of the ghost war. John King from Fox News actually had to press uh, secretary, the press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, about it 
and listen to her response. She basically lays it down, but th this tool has to sit there and go on and on and see if he'll denounce it. Let's start off. Um, I'd like to ask you for a definitive and declarative statement without ambiguity or deflection. As the person who speaks for the president, does the president denounce white supremacism and groups that espouse it in all their forms? This has been answered yesterday by the president himself, the day before by the president himself on the debate stage. The president was asked this. He said, sure, three times. Yesterday, he was point blank, blank asked, do you uh, denounce white supremacy? And he said, I've always denounced any form of that. I can go back and read for you um, in August 2019 in one voice our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. In August of 2017, racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups. I have an entire list of these quotes that I can go through with you. He has condemned white supremacy more than any president in modern history. Just to clear it up this morning, can you, naming it, make a declarative statement that you denounce, that the president denounces it? I just did. Uh, the president has denounced this. Repeatedly, the president was asked this. You're you making, you're contriving a storyline and a narrative. Asking you to put he this said, to rest. I just did. I read you all of the quotes, and if you need quotes. to see them in can writing, I will put them in an email. Hold on. So, Kelly, can you, can you right now? Denounce white supremacy and the group that is The president has denounced white supremacy, the KKK, and hate groups in all forms. He signed a resolution to that effect. Uh, the president just last week, perhaps you all weren't covering it, but just last week expressed his desire to see the KKK prosecuted as domestic terrorists. This president uh, had advocated for the death penalty for a white supremacist, the first federal execution in 17 years. His record on this is unmistakable, and it's shameful. So apparently John King goes on Twitter and gets blasted by everybody over this stupid, stupid pressing of Kaylee McEnally, uh, McEnally uh, to denounce white supremacy on Trump's behalf. And then he goes on Fox News to bitch about it. For all of you on Twitter who were hammering me for answering that quite for asking that question, I don't care. Because it's a question that needs to be asked, and clearly the president's Republican colleagues a mile away from here are looking for an answer for it, too. So stop deflecting. Stop okay. blaming the media. I'm tired of it. All right. John, that, John Roberts is tired of it, so we're going to let And again, it's been nonstop. I mean, John King's like, I'm so tired of it. You know what? We're tired of this crap. We're tired of this BS that keeps being fed to us. In a narrative fashion, you know, we have to go on and on about white supremacy. Well, what is white supremacy? Look, they actually Trump went on Hannity and denounced white supremacy again for the 400th time. I have to say, I've said it many times, and let me be clear again. I condemn the KKK. I condemn all white supremacists. I condemn the Proud Boys. I don't know much about the Proud Boys, almost nothing, but I condemn that. I love how he says... Uh, I don't know much about them. <laughs> I don't even know who they are, but I denounce them. Basically going, will you guys shut up about this? I'm tired of it. And I do find it funny that they brought up the Proud Boys because we talked about them probably about six, nine months ago here on the show because I kept seeing how they were vilified. And I was going, what is the deal with this group? You know, obviously, back when the primaries were going on, there was a group of people that glommed on to Trumpers that were this alt-right, and they were like, 
talking about how we're not conservative, you're cuck-servatives, you know? So I assume that those people, because one of them was Richard Spencer, and nobody knew his crazy past or his crazy ideas initially. Steve Bannon was put in there, Milo, Gavin McInnes, who I ended up loving now, <laughs> and I, I, I frequent his uh, show quite a bit. Um, he's a little edgy and a little bit salty and, and, you know, but he's more from my old school punk rock background. So that's, uh, I, I see eye to eye with him on a lot of things, but they lumped him in and he was the one who created the Proud Boys. And we talked about it. I was like, why, why are they considered white supremacists that, you know, during the primaries, I thought maybe they were and I just accepted the premise. And then when I started seeing Antifa going after the Patriots prayer, which they also said was also alt-right white supremacist, I was going, wait a minute, I need to research this a bit. And on the show, you can go back, I want to say it was back in uh, August of 2019 on the Adrian Slade show, we covered it and we actually played clips of the leader of the Patriot's Prayer. No white supremacy anywhere in the clips of him speaking. It was only because he's Christian. And then we played clips of the Proud Boys and there was... No white supremacy there. In fact, an Afro-Cuban is the guy running it. Um, and the narrative starts to fall apart. You know, you start to go, wait a minute. And what's funny is because the left decided to overplay their hand and focus on the Proud Boys, they're clearing their reputation as we speak. People are starting to go, who is this group? And they're starting to recognize they've been incorrectly branded and they're starting to have their name cleared. So listen to the leader of the Proud Boys talk about their organization. I will go out and say that the Proud Boys as a whole, I will say this on behalf of the entire national organization, denounce white supremacy. We are in no way, shape, or form white supremacists. We have a vetting system that just gets those guys out of our hair. We do not have anything to do with white supremacy. We do not have anything to do with the Ku Klux Klan. We denounce those organizations. Yeah, that doesn't sound so white supremacist, does it? <laughs> I mean, I saw a picture with another one, another one of the Proud Boys who is in jail, uh, and they get harsh sentencing. I mean, holy crap, do they get nailed. But, and that's a part of the whole George Soros, uh, attorney general, uh, you know, affect the local elections, because what they're doing is he knows that if he can weaponize federalism and he can turn over the law enforcement a and that he can have an effect on with his money and elections well then antifa can go out and burn these cities down and get let out five minutes after they're arrested but then the proud boys in doing a pushback will go to jail for like five six years or you know maybe you have your gun and you're in your house and they come rolling up antifa strolls up on you in your house and you pull out your gun just to show hey don't mess with me. Well, then you go to jail, even though you have a constitutional right and castle doctrines in certain states and what have you. So, so they have, they've been given harsh sentencing to the Proud Boys, but they're not white supremacist. And look at this from the Daily Mail. The leader of the Proud Boys, the white supremacist group at the center of the presidential debate Fuhrer, is a state director for Latinos for Trump and ran for Congress as a Republican. Donald Trump told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by after he uh, was asked to denounce their alleged white supremacist views during the presidential debate. 
Afterwards, Trump's son and spokesman both tried to downplay the comment, calling it misspeak. The president backpedaled, telling reporters he had never heard of the group. The Daily Mail can reveal that the Proud Boys national chairman, Enrique Tarrio, is close to the Republican Party, having been pictured with the president's son, Don Jr., and currently serving as the Florida state director for the political support group Latinos for Trump. But a spokesman for the Trump campaign told the Daily Mail that neither Torino or his Latinos for Trump group are affiliated with the president's official re-election campaign group, the Latinos for Trump Coalition. The individual you wrote about here is not affiliated with the Trump campaign or our Latinos for Trump coalition or the Trump family, the spokesman said. He is also not the state director of our coalition and is not on our advisory board. Torino 36 had been uh, pictured with Trump confidant Roger Stone, who is a Proud Boys member, the president's son, Don Jr., Florida Governor Rick Scott, and senior uh, Republican Senator Ted Cruz, who who co-sponsored a state resolution based on a petition written by Torrio to designate the anarchist left-wing group Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. See, they're trying to make this gotcha moment. Look at that. Trump doesn't know him. Is he a George Zimmerman white Hispanic? This whole thing, the white supremacy name, the brand, it's it's cheapened. It's been destroyed because it's really based on being a Christian, being a Republican. It, like the cancer that progressivism and the leftist are, they destroy everything they touch, economies, uh, the families, uh, policies, whatever they touch, they destroy. So now they destroy the actual term white supremacist by putting it on just about anything under the sun. You're with the Lions Club? Well, you might be a white supremacist. You're with the Moose Lodge? Yeah, you might be a white supremacist. I mean, everybody's a white supremacist at this point, and it doesn't really matter because they've destroyed the entire word. Now, Trump let his, pro- uh, this is from the Daily Mail continuing, Trump lent his support for the proposal which ultimately failed, tweeting in August last year, major considerations being given to naming Antifa as an organization of terror. Now, they want to say, oh, well, Antifa's an idea. No, it's actually got a flag. It's actually got a logo, and uh, and it looks very similar to the ones in the Syrian Kurds, which you can go back to a podcast that I put together that shows Antifa in America getting support from the Syrian Antifa, uh, the Syrian Kurds, the communist Kurds. Not the Peshmerga from Iraq. But see, that's the thing. The reason why they're able to act like that is based on another podcast we did back in 2017 where we discussed Antifa. They are, they, they're like a terrorist organization because they operate in cells. They have a declassify or deep, uh, you know, like a, it's a deconstructed kind of situation. It's not a top down organization. It's very disconnected, but yet it connected. So you had these little cells, these little organizations. They all communicate through tel- Telegram and, you know, Twitter and different things like that. So they can organize really quickly, but it's very decentralized. So it doesn't look like an actual organization from the outside looking in, but it's very well organized, well funded, well, uh, you know, They've been trained really well. It's even though there are a lot of soy boys who would get their asses kicked by any normal uh, Trump loving American, but they should be a terrorist organization. They're not an idea. But going on, we know that 
the Proud Boys ended up being labeled something that they weren't, and they were successful with it. The left was able to vilify them in running Gavin McInnes out of Dodge. And then, I mean, he's still around, thank God, but they pushed him out of wherever they could because he's very influential. He has, you know, a good punk rock background. He has... uh good relationships with some of the leftist comedians so he could be someone to move the needle if he's a republican and that bothers them but for some reason everyone on the right is being demanded to denounce the ghost movement the white supremacy movement while the real one is on the left burning cities and threatening suburbia and is being praised by leftist politicians with no outrage so on the other side of the break we want to get back into the debate and uh, some of the uh, some of the other crazy things that have been happening surrounding the debate in just a second. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. So now, just as the media has helped the left in trying to paint this narrative of white supremacy, they always assist the left in whatever endeavor they're in. And one of the endeavors is Joe Biden's debate. We're now speaking of assistance was Biden getting assistance during the actual debate. Some people have speculated that, Oh, he had a wire on, which I don't know. Uh, some people said there's some contact lenses that you can put in and you can see, you know, they can, uh, show like images on the contact lenses. So he knows what to read. I mean, his eyes did look really bizarre. I mean, they were big bulging black eyes, but you know, it, it was really bizarre, but it was bizarre to me that he actually brought up the Proud Boys. He was the one, the guy with the mental decline. No one was talking about the Proud Boys before this. No one was even mentioning them. But then he, the guy with the mental collapse that's in real time in front of us, is the one to cognitively pull up Proud Boys? That may be kind of suspicious. Um, I mean, do you really think he thought of that all on his own? Well, <laughs> this was an odd clip, too, that makes you speculate whether or not there was some sort of communication between him and somebody else. Listen to this clip, and he starts out his answer by saying, good luck. Like like somebody told him good luck, and then he comes out and starts saying it. Just listen to him talk about this. To deal with this public health crisis going forward, in this case, the question goes to you first, sir. Two minutes uninterrupted. Good luck. 200,000 dead. As you said, over 7 million infected. I mean, that's really weird. I'm not going to speculate that he did get, you know, assistance, but I'm not going to also shrug it off because who does that? But, you know, my take on the debate was, first off, it was really hard to watch. Part of me was going, you know what? I used to say, hey, can we have just a debate where just the candidates are debating and the moderator and no crowd kind of rethinking that idea. Cause it was so clunky and awkward. The crowd sometimes gives energy to the, you know, performers, <laughs> the debate candidates. Uh, so I say performers because some of them like to try to gin up these one liners that they think will go viral. And a lot of times they're corny and lame, but you know, the other thing that was going on was Trump was debating two people. He was debating Chris. He was debating Chris Wallace, the moderator, while uh, 
Joe Biden was over there giving this kind of Marianne Williamson styled TED talk. It was like this wacky uh, TED talk about, you know, uh, lifting people up and being inspirational without any sort of inspirational tone to his voice. He was just he was flat. But one of the things that Trump did do is he allowed Biden to disavow the base that didn't want him to be the nominee in the first place. You know, when he when it was him and Bernie Sanders, he kind of wanted to be the moderate that will also embrace the Bernie Sanders side of the aisle. And a lot of those people were pissed. You could see them railing on people like Alyssa Milano online. Um, it, was, it was very similar to the conservatives with Trump and and Ted Cruz. You know, the real diehard ideologues were behind Cruz and that really kind of caused a division. So the same thing's happening here with the Bernie Sanders wing. He pulls them in and goes, hey, I'll do the Green New Deal. And uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is out there saying, well, you know, maybe we can mold him and shape him into what we we can work with them. And then he gets on stage and Trump makes him disavow all of it. Green New Deal down the line. I just wish Trump wouldn't have talked so much over top of him because I, there were moments where Joe Biden was a, would have hung himself. Or he would have hanged himself. He would have died on the vine because he can't keep the mental uh, capacity in check. I mean, he was cutting himself off. He cut himself off more than Scott Weiland did with rehab programs. I mean, he was constantly cutting himself off, not finishing sentences. And there were times where I could hear that happen. But Trump was talking over top of him. So you couldn't really get the full scope of it. But, you know, it's it's just really insane with how that debate went down because Chris Wallace immediately just started railing in on Trump like he was in on the whole thing. Ted Cruz had a really good take. He said, everyone agrees Tuesday's debate was a train wreck. A major contributing fact was the moderator, Chris Wallace, a registered Democrat, repeatedly interrupting and trying to help Joe Biden. The next debate is set to be moderated by a former intern to Joe Biden and Ted Kennedy. This is nuts. And no Republican should allow this bias to continue in future elections. I propose two simple, fair rules for future debates. GOP primary debates should be moderated by people who actually vote in the GOP primary, not Democrat journalists who want the GOP to lose. And the second one, general election debates should be moderated by equal number of GOP and Democrats. We should stop pretending the obvious bias doesn't exist. Instead, equalize and counterbalance it. A debate moderated by, say, Mark Levin and Chris Hayes would be better than fake impartiality. Or maybe Rush Limbaugh and Rachel Maddow or Ben Shapiro and Chris Cuomo. Both sides would be taken in, uh, be a part of the debates and would be real and substantive. And he's right. I mean, it, it's it's really crazy. And it gets even crazier when you find out there's a Jeffrey Epstein connection. Yes, there always is. Chris Wallace is pictured with George Clooney and Jeffrey Epstein getting off a boat going on his island, the pedo island. Again, a connection to Jeffrey Epstein. And Chris Wallace is out there ripping on Scott Atlas today. Um, there's some things that are really bizarre about Chris Wallace. But the fact that he's got a connection, his dad's got a connection, his dad's all in the flight logs. So whatever is behind the scenes with all of this, with Jeffrey Epstein down the line, I keep saying it, is why everyone is dying on their swords to destroy Trump. 
This is why whenever I hear some entity or organization being brought up in the news that is supposed to be benign or apolitical, or maybe they're a NGO, a non-governmental organization, I have to go in investigation mode. You know, I got to go, who's involved in this? You know, because it's never a simple issue as it would seem. So in order to fix the next debate, because they didn't like the fact that Trump was talking over top of Biden and Biden was talking over top of Trump and what have you. So in order to fix the next one, they decided um, they're going to get what is called the Commission on Presidential Elections involved. So it sounds to me like what they were hoping to do is, you know, mute microphones. And now with the coronavirus thing hitting Trump, I don't even know, is, is he going to do a virtual uh, debate? I, who knows? But, I mean, he's got, what, 10 days? CDC recommends 10 days uh, of quarantine. I thought I saw somewhere 14. The uh, debate's supposed to be October 15th. So, and Amy Coney Barrett's uh, uh, confirmation is supposed to be October 12th. So, either one of those would end at the end of his quarantine. Because today being October 2nd, <laughs> kind of runs into that. So... I hear about the commission on presidential elections and most of the time we just kind of go, okay, that commission, they're going to look into it and it must be, you know, just a independent organization or a government organization that's, well, then you kind of go, wait a minute, who's in this thing? So I start looking it up and looking at the members involved. And then as I'm researching it, I run across what Michelle Malkin found and she researched it for me. Basically, this is her thread. She said, just so you know, Liberal Republican John Danforth, who serves on the Commission on Presidential Debate uh, Debates Board of Directors, attacked Donald Trump as, quote, the most divisive president in history. And ex-Senator John Danforth called him that in a uh, article with USA Today. So that's one of them. Then you go on to the next one. The next one is Antonio Hernandez, um, also on the board of directors and... Uh, Let's see here. Yep. An open borders radical who was a Maldef president and Rockefeller fund uh, foundation trustee. Oh, imagine that. Also helped subsi subsidize 10 million, uh, in a campaign to fight for, uh, the whole illegal aliens deportations thing that Trump was doing. Hmm. So that's one of them. Then there is Frank Ferenkopf. He's also a co-chair on the Commission of Presidential Debates. He's an old Beltway GOP swamp creature, former RNC chair, lobbyist, co-chair Dorothy Ridings, heads up the left-leaning Council on Foundations, whose donors include the Bush Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation. Then there's liberal Republican former Senator Olympia Snow, another commission on Presidential Debates Board of Directors. And they attacked Donald Trump for damaging the GOP brand in 2016. Yeah, so it goes to show that these people are embedded everywhere. I mean, you can't even trust the CDC. I mean, they've got these little uh, resist scientists all littered throughout the CDC. And they really want to control who's coming in because they've controlled presidents all the way back. 
You know, I remember hearing about George W. Bush telling someone that, oh, well, you know, the uh, whoever's president here is not really going to matter. It's going to be the same policies, which is why you saw Syria handled the same way between uh, George W. Bush to Obama to uh, it started to be that way with Trump until he rooted out some of the top military brass. But, you know, Mattis would have been fine rolling into Syria and plundering that some more. So listen to this. FBI, former FBI assistant director talking about how we should, how they should be the ones to vet and pick the president. Why wouldn't he just come clean and say, yep, these are my creditors. You say because we don't know this information, it makes him the most vulnerable president in our history. He is the most vulnerable president in our history in terms of a compromise and potential exposure to those who want to help him dig out of his financial pit uh, in return for a price. And that's, I think, where the national security problem comes in. That price that they would ask for is that he makes decisions in their best interest, not in our best interest. There's also another layer to this, which is that when you're this entangled with Russia and the former Soviet bloc, you're going to run smack into organized crime figures. In fact, in my work in counterintelligence in the FBI, we often couldn't tell the difference between ex-Russian intelligence officers and current Russian organized crime figures. So there's too many gaps in the tax returns. There's too many questions. Why is this president paying more to foreign nations in taxes than he is to the United States? How does he cover his debt? Who's doing that for him? What's the Deutsche Bank connection? Why are there so many golf courses losing so much money? Um, and, and why the continued purchase of those properties? So I suggest this, Stephanie. We've got to have a national discussion about how we vet a presidential candidate. We screwed this up. Whether it's the media not digging deeply enough, whether it's a time to have a discussion about a bipartisan committee that demands tax returns, make that a requirement or exposes um, financial pictures for candidates. But we, we got this wrong and this can't happen again. So using the premise based on the tax returns, Trump's taxes that were leaked out, which is illegal. You can't just go leaking someone's tax returns out. So there's a problem there in doing that he's making the case for the deep state now what he doesn't realize is the reason why a good reason i haven't seen the returns but typically in real estate if you're if you're buying properties and you're building them a lot of times you will incur a loss in the beginning or maybe you at some point you incur a loss in taxation you have net operating losses i've talked about this before what you can do is you can use up to the extent of how much you would owe. You can offset that by how much you lost. You can do that for, you know, uh, two years back. So I can go back to 2019, 2018, use them up. If I've got them left over, I can use them every year going from now or from, you know, the next tax filing season all the way for 20 years. So yeah, it could look like somebody didn't pay taxes for 10 years because they incurred such a loss in the beginning that they were able to offset uh, anything that they would owe. And, or, and, and here's the thing. The other thing about the hubris of this former uh, FBI assistant director is you don't get to pick the president. We do. And we have primaries to do this. We, 
The fact that the deep state thinks that they should be the ones vetting, they should be the ones picking, says everything you need to know. So that's their mentality. And the fact that they, they're going to use different things like, uh, uh, spying and, and illegal FISA war, uh, warrants and things like that to to try to maintain power in, in order to push out a president, it's it's scary what they've taken us to as far as the brink of banana republicanism. I mean, we're there. We are there. And pray for President Trump and Melania and Mike Lee and... Uh, Roman McDaniel, the GOP chairwoman, they've all been tested positive for corona, uh, coronavirus, but pray for President Trump and Melania, not just because of coronavirus, but because everybody is against him. I mean, you've got the CDC, Fauci, Burks, you've got uh, down the road, you've got the Commission on Presidential Elections, you've got everybody at your throat, and you've got nothing but maybe your family and your wife. To tr- that you can trust, maybe somebody like a Massey or Mike Lee or Ted Cruz. That's about it. So keep them in prayer. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, uh, you can, Google Play. Also, go to adrianslateshow.com. I haven't posted anything in a while. I've been kind of busy, especially with the whole pandemic thing, but I'm going to start getting back into that. And uh, also, donate. Be a part of the uh, the Slade Brigade you can donate at anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. God bless.